1: Welcome back to The Shamrock. I'm Pete Sampson, but not joined by Matt Fortuna today, as my co-host is on vacation somewhere in a much warmer climate than the Midwest. We will be back with future podcasts coming up as Marcus Freeman's first coaching staff is now complete. Al Golden's uh, hiring is first reported by The Athletic. On Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, there will be an introductory press conference. You can check out a ton of good content on that on The Athletic. Tonight, tomorrow, and in the coming days, and Matt will be back and we'll podcast and react to all that. But wanted to get you a little bit of extra Shamrock content, so called up Mick Asaf, former Notre Dame walk-on, former guest of the Shamrock, to talk a little bit about the Irish Players Club, explain what an NFT is. I think there's uh, kind of some misunderstanding, skepticism of of what that uh, entails, but ultimately it comes down to the Irish Players Club how it benefits Notre Dame football uh, and how fans can directly impact Notre Dame football in a different way. Uh, So Mick and I talked quite a bit about that, explained NFTs in 30 minutes or less, what the Irish Players Club is, how fans can sort of get involved with it, and also sort of his perspective on the NIL space in year one, what Notre Dame can do moving forward um, to perhaps impact that space more positively for the football program and the athletic department in general and also the recruiting impact on it um, talked a little bit about Dante Moore Tarnell Tate specifically um, as their interest in the Irish Players Club and what impact that might have uh, on Notre Dame moving forward so without further ado former Notre Dame walk on and running back Asaf on the Irish Players Club NIL and where this is all going. Joined on the Shamrock by former Notre Dame running back Mick Asaf, who uh, has been kind of involved in some interesting projects post Notre Dame. Uh, Yoke, which we had him on to talk about a year ago, um, which evolved a little bit in the course of year one of NIL and now the Irish Player Club, which is rolling out in just a couple weeks um, in terms of the purchase of NFTs. Uh, and I think, Mick, before we get started, There has to be a vocabulary lesson for people who don't quite get the NFT, which um, was me uh, about a month ago. So if you could, before we talk about what the Irish player club is, explain to people what an NFT is and like, what the value is it for a uh, something that you cannot physically hold in your hand.
2: Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on and excited to talk about NIL and uh, Irish players club and all that starting with an NFT. I think this is a question we get a lot and (laughs) like anything else that's new, there's a lot of skepticism and questions and why doesn't it exist in real life? Uh, Questions that go on, but an NFT in its simplest form is a digital asset, which is stored on the blockchain, which is essentially a digital ledger and NFTs allow for proof of ownership. um, But, I think the thing that most people connect with and think about them as is kind of a digital collectible that you can prove that you own and that ownership of that NFT can lead to X, Y, and Z perks. And so as we think about our Irish player club NFTs, our biggest focus is creating benefits um, that surround the team itself um, and kind of creating the super fan experience around those NFTs, the Use case for NFTs is going to really expand over the next ten years. I think a lot of traditional forms of entertainment are going to evolve into NFT-centric forms of entertainment, and um, the Irish Players Club is kind of, I think, a step in that direction.
1: If you're a Notre Dame player, what what do you how do you stand to benefit from from being part of the Irish Player Club?
2: Yeah, so the Irish Players Club is really exciting for players because it allows them to promote something, um, promote an NFT that will ultimately provide more access to them. And in doing so they can post about this NFT and the NFT is a mechanism for them to monetize. And so there's a lot of ways that different schools are approaching monetization, but for Notre Dame players, um, this NFT collection will allow them to sell, 5,555 NFTs at a price that will soon be revealed. And once people have those, it's it's a finite number. And so those people, players will be able to provide meet and greets and a lot of different cool experiences, starting from a few days after the initial sale, all the way throughout the 2022 season, there's going to be Events, both in person and virtual, exclusive content, and other things, where players can easily identify these are the fans that help support the Irish Players Club, and therefore we're going to create these awesome experiences for them down the line. I
1: mean, is sort of, um, I mean, that exclusive access to the players themselves is that is that sort of the biggest hook for if you're a fan looking to purchase it? Is that sort of what the advertisement that you want to make first?
2: Yeah. So in the NFT space. Um, the term roadmap is used pretty commonly. And the roadmap is essentially the plan of utility. Uh, in other words, what, what do I, as an owner of this NFT, um, what can I expect to receive as, as benefit from being a part of this collection, from owning an NFT in this collection? And so we'll release our roadmap on Thursday or Friday and I have a Twitter space to kind of discuss it. Um, but things that people can look forward to is one, the members only discord. So just being able to chat with other people who are also members of the Irish players club, and then having tailgates around spring games and in the fall post game meet and greets with players, um, the ability to take pictures with them, get signatures both in the spring and, and in the fall uh, Q and A's with players to talk to them maybe in the summer about what's coming up in the upcoming season. I know a lot of people, Getting access to players, you know, from your position, (laughs) it can be pretty limited. And so I think when players are able to directly monetize, they have incentive to, you know, chat with the fans and answer their questions as well as sign memorabilia and um, other stuff like that, as well as future potential NFT drops as well.
1: How many players on the roster have opted into this? And sort of like, what's, if we're talking about the the money that the players are going to make off of this, is this... Is this hundreds? Is this thousands? Is this tens of thousands? Like what? What sort of a, I guess a, a best case scenario for that? If you're a Notre Dame football player,
2: yeah. So the best case scenario is that we sell out, and so we'll sell five thousand NFTs to start, and hold back five hundred fifty-five of them because we want to make sure every former player, um, as well as you know other friends that have that have helped out in the marketing world, can get you know free NFTs. So we're trying to make sure all the former players get hooked up with free NFTs. But in a best case scenario, we sell out those 5,000 and we have more than 70 current players that are signed onto the deal already and working a few more just on the logistics, but try, going to try to get pretty much everyone signed up that's, that wants to be a part of it. And you know to have that many signed up already is really exciting. But in terms of a volume, we're giving 75% of the profits from the project to those players. Um, on a monthly basis so we'll look at all the profits we made that month and then we'll distribute them evenly amongst those players that are signed it was really important for us to have a project that was aligned with what being on a team is all about I know that from being a college athlete uh, something you see in NIL is yeah it's great that the quarterback and the running back got great deals but that's not always them. You know, it doesn't make everyone feel good when everyone's doing the same amount of lifting, the same amount of running, we're doing everything together. And then some people can get incredible benefits and some people don't, but that's kind of the marketing world itself. But for our project, the ethos was to be able to help all the players that all players could benefit. And if it does go well, then, you know, more than half a million dollars um, will be, directly, you know, paid out to those players that are helping promote the project.
1: And so how does, what's sort of the the growth model for this? Because, I mean, you talked about you sell your, the 5,000 NFTs, um, hopefully, you know, kind of on March 1. What, like, how do you make money from there if you're a player? Like once that yeah. purchase has already been made?
2: Yeah. So... First of all, the way that NFTs are created in the smart contract, you can designate a percentage of secondary sale royalties that go back to the players as well. Uh, They go back to the Irish Players Club. And so X percent of all sales on the secondary market will continue to generate revenue for the Irish Players Club, which is awesome for players. And then there's extra things on top of that 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 we're looking at doing uh, extra events Uh, where they could generate more revenue and then a lot of nft projects end up having new collections new series etc this is kind of the leprechaun based collection but i think there's a lot of things we can do in the future that can help athletes um you know in the nft space
0: looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? Hey, you know, we talked about this last week and I think you described it as like, it's um, if you see the NFT as a membership, then I think it's, then people sort of get their head around it differently. It's like, oh, yeah. I'm part of this club or I'm in this, you know, uh, access to uh, this VIP space. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, essentially is that for for people are not into NFTs, is that is that the pitch
2: there? That That's how
1: you get people to understand what the heck this is.
2: Yeah, I would say yeah, that yeah. that's kind of the the simplest way to put our NFTs mm. is that it, it is a VIP pass um, to the 2022, um, you know, Notre Dame football team mm-hmm. and the different events and different types of activations the players will put on for people who are supporting them will be really exciting. And um, NFTs are going to have a lot of different utilities, different forms. People are launching NFT projects that give you access to restaurants. And so that space is still starting to show itself. But for the Irish Players Club, I would think of it as kind of an access pass to the team.
1: There are like infinite, almost infinite ways, it seems that different schools or programs have have moved in the NIL space or had people move in the NFL NIL space on their behalf, um, which is probably more applicable here. Is this, like, do you sort of see the NFT as like, Is this a a game changer in this space? Is this sort of like the next natural step? Um, Is it sort of a gateway to maybe something even bigger down the road?
2: Yeah, I think there's a lot of ways that people are creating monetization. I think there are certain methods that are requiring more or less from the athletes. And that balance is something that we're following pretty closely. Because at the end of the day, there's a limited number of hours that college athletes have to put towards NIL commitments. Um, But at the same time, if you put no work or no hours towards it, it's really hard to create marketing value. It's really hard to create value for anyone. And therefore, the money isn't really earned if people aren't putting forth their name, image and likeness and or their efforts to do so. And so I think NFTs are a big game changer because... Um, of the aspect of access and the scarcity and all of the things that are surrounding the space, obviously the space is growing so much. And I think for college athletes, it's something that makes a lot of sense because you don't have to be monitoring it 24 um, seven and you can create a lot of revenue as college athletes through selling these NFTs. Um, but it's not as intensive as managing a, you know, paywalled community, which I think some people have been excited about and fans are excited about. And I think this is a good kind of um, balance of those things where it's the NFT is kind of like merchandise, like a digital asset. Um, and then mm-hmm. the community around it is a bit like that paywall community, the Patreon that a lot of people are excited about. I know that a lot of fans exist on message boards and other places like that. And so anytime you can bring together like-minded people, but also deliver them something of value that they can trade on the secondary market, I think that's that's an exciting opportunity for college athletes.
1: I was interested like, what you what your perspective is on like um, like on the athletic greatest story, David Ubbin wrote it on Tennessee and uh, sort of a collectivization of essentially funds for Tennessee football players um, and athletes in general, like down to the fact that they would go and visit recruits on it. Like what, what's your, you know, your perspective on that? Like, is there, is there a Notre Dame version of that at some point in the future? Or is that going to be, in some ways, legislated out before that can get started?
2: Yeah, I think the collectives and, in, in my reading and my understanding of them are a little bit outside of what NIL was created for. When legislators went to allow athletes to monetize off their name, image, and likeness I don't necessarily think collectives were what they had in mind. Um, Mostly because most collectives have no underlying business and that there's not much value being created by the players um, as part of their commitment to the collective. Um, Obviously there's a lot of examples in schools where people are willing to give money or to donate or to support and, so I understand the argument that if people can donate to Notre Dame, why can't they donate to the players? Um, but if there was something that I think is making college football fans um, and people who are watching it a little bit upset, I think collectives would probably be at the top of the list because at the end of the day, NIL is about rewarding people for their personal brand, allowing them to monetize their personal brand. And if you're following in your actual actions have nothing to do with your compensation, then I think that's probably something that will get a really close look from people who are looking for the first thing that's wrong with NIL. And if they think it's being abused, then I could certainly see collectives as something that people are, are willing to red flag right away. And Mm -hmm. I think we, we've seen that in the space. Um, People are trying to help college athletes. We are 100% for for helping college athletes, but it's challenging to say that, it's really fair to give people money for something that's not tied to some form of activity or some form of their actual name, image, and likeness. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, essentially it's like, you're figuring out a way to get money to college athletes if they're willing to earn said money opposed to just existing. Um, correct. What, I mean, what did you see in year one of NIL? Uh, I'm curious what you learned from Yoke's start, how it evolved. Um, what what was sort of successful what was like the most common kind of nil structure because i I think that the amount of press that like nick saban's bryce young was making seven figures yeah i think there's an assumption like well everyone's doing that um you know i did extensive reporting on kyle hamilton's nil work and like while it was in six figures i don't think it was pushing seven um So, I mean, what did NIL year one look like to you and what did you learn from sort of Yoke's quick jump into it?
2: I think the biggest thing is that you have to be cognizant of headlines and the data that's actually revealed to the general public because I think there was probably a disconnect between the headlines and even the data and what was actually happening in the space. Um, from our perspective, there was a large number or a significant number of superstars like Kyle who were entering into legitimate um, deals that were you know, pen to paper involving an agent, involving a corporate lawyer and figuring out what does this relationship look like. That happened with Bryce Young. He did the deal with Cash App. That's a deal where his agent or his representation was working with the folks over at Block or Cash App. And they were negotiating point by point, working out the fee structure. And something that we quickly realized is there's a cost associated to negotiating those types of deals. And for people like Kyle and Bryce, it's it's worth it for both sides to go in to have someone working on those deals, figuring out the logistics and executing, you know, his responsibilities. But that is a, you know, probably two to and max six people per team, even when you look at an Alabama or Georgia. Mm -hmm. And so the majority of the NIL space was much more of the wild West and it was brands really big and really small, new and old that based on their personal, you know, willingness, to test the waters we're kind of jumping in headfirst. And a lot of it came down to free product, free merch, free XYZ in exchange. Well, free, I
1: mean, like free advertising for people like me writing about it or podcasting about it too, right? <laughs> like that, I mean, that, that was part of the play.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so some brands were willing to say free underwear for anyone that will make an Instagram story or, yeah, you know, we'll send you free box of pizza, frozen pizza for an Instagram post and just message our, you know, message us on Instagram. And then there's people that were going through brands like Open Doors or Yoke to try to bring these and kind of streamline that process. And so I think the average college athlete, or I should say the median college athlete, um, my median college D1 football player was earning between 500 to 1500 bucks in the year. Um, and then they were able to pick up a bunch of free stuff they're willing to do the work. But at the end of the day, unless when you're working with brands, they are not giving away, they have an underlying business. And so they're not like collectives where they're going to pay you a hundred thousand dollars for nothing. They, They spend money with the expectation of getting a return on investment. And so they need a return on their ad dollars. And so brands have been learning and trying to adapt to the space as well because they their stakeholders don't care that Kyle Hamilton's really good at football. If they want Kyle Hamilton to help them sell what they're trying to sell. And so there's a big learning curve for compliance offices for athletes, but also for brands that are trying to understand what's really positive ROI Mm -hmm. versus what is just kind of spending to spend.
1: As, as sort of NIL moves toward, Universities and athletic departments being able to facilitate deals, which which seems to be there is momentum for that. Um, yeah. If you are Notre Dame, like, what do you do with that? What would you recommend?
2: Yeah. So, I think the most interesting university that we've worked with is BYU. They have an NIL coordinator, and every athlete that you reach out to points you in his direction, and then he essentially is negotiating and letting you know he's gathered information from all the athletes, understanding what compensation they're looking for, what deals they're looking for. And so he has it in the spreadsheet and he's able to really concisely say, here, here's our players that would make sense based on your budget. Here are players that don't make sense. Here's who you should look at. Here's his availability. Here's his class structure. Mm-hmm. And that made working with UIU athletes really, really easy. Um, and so there's something to be said for that model, but there's a lot of states that make that illegal and Utah's not one of them, but I think there's the amount that that helps athletes is, is pretty significant for Yoke. We could come to him and we could get everything that would take two weeks of text back and forth done in a 20 minute phone call. And so that level of coordination with someone on campus is really helpful. And I think that'll probably pick up a lot of momentum. I I know that it's kind of it's a gray you kind of have to walk that line between what's allowed in your state versus what's what your university policy is but mm-hmm. in terms of actually helping college athletes get paid for real name image and likeness deals it's hard to replace someone who's doing that representation because the the agency space is is really 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 messy in the NIL world
1: Market. And so, I mean, your your perspective on Notre Dame is like if you're going to the first step is to have someone dedicated to essentially facilitate deals to be a clearinghouse for yeah. you know, to help with these companies connect with the players themselves.
2: Yeah, I would say that that's close. I think the you kind of want someone who is helping with the logistics and helping with the communication and helping to s- streamline that process because. The, the financials behind agents don't make a lot of sense. It's not really worth an agent's time to represent someone who's going to earn $2,000. They might right. make 20%, but making $400 um, in a year for an agent is not going to be worth reading over two legal documents. And so that's where the, kind of, the issue falls out. And that's where a lot of platforms are going to try to come in and help but even Yoke, where we're building technology, we're building out affiliate technology so brands can come in and work with college athletes really easily. And athletes can just understand, hey, I can generate a link for Allbirds. And if I sell a pair of Allbirds, I'll make X amount of dollars. That's something that can still coincide with someone who's helping logistically to point people towards the right direction.
1: Mm-hmm. And what, uh, in, in terms of, I guess, Irish Players Club, if if you're a fan, you want more information, like... Where do you go for that? Like direct people who are listening to this, if they, how do they sign up? How do they actually purchase the NFT? When can that
2: happen? Yeah, absolutely. So irishplayersclub.com is running right now. And we do anticipate um, them to sell pretty quickly uh, given the interest we've seen so far. So you can sign up for the early access list, which can make sure that you'll be able to purchase during that early access window on March 1st. Um, And the website's going to be popping up We'll have an updated site up on Thursday that will outline a bunch of FAQs. We've kind of been gathering the most frequently asked questions. But if people aren't familiar with Discord, that is something that they should definitely create an account on and join our Discord channel, the Irish Players Club Discord channel, which is available on our site and on our Twitter, because that is pretty similar to a message board where everyone who's interested in the project is asking questions and the community can kind of help steer you in the right direction. But Mm -hmm. when it comes to purchasing, it'll be on March 1st and people will be able to purchase using their credit or debit card, which is a technical integration that we've been working on I think in the NFT space, a lot of times you can only purchase with a cryptocurrency. And so we're trying to increase the accessibility and and bridge a bridge too far, I think, for some people. Yeah. And so we're trying to bridge that gap and make it a lot easier for people to, you know, to get into the space. Mm.
1: And so like what's what's your idea for like the first kind of access point for a player or whether it be or like even maybe a, a camp in the summer, like Kyle Hamilton, I think did a camp through you guys. Last yeah, some are locally where you know it's pretty limit, limited in scope because there's just one player. Um, right. You don't have 400 kids to one player. But like, what are some of the first things you would want to get done if you're kind of setting that schedule?
2: Yeah. So we'll probably set up some minting rewards where certain buying a certain threshold of NFTs, if you buy three, you get free Irish Players Club merchandise. If you buy five, you get a special NFT signed by the players and if you buy 10 you even get you know a signed photo from logan Diggs. and so that's something that will happen kind of right around the initial sale and then in terms of the roadmap which will help explain kind of the benefits and the access the first in-person thing that will happen will probably be surrounding the spring game i think we have a post-game meet and greet that's planned around the spring game which will be pretty cool i think because Just getting to meet those players. I know it can be hectic waiting outside the stadium, which a lot of fans do to meet players and just to have kind of like a ticketed off area where your NFT is that access pass. And after the game, you can actually talk to the players, meet with the players. But even starting right after the purchase sales, players will be active in that Discord community, answering Mm -hmm. questions, talking back and forth with fans. Um, And so... I think that, that the spring game will kind of be our first targeted in-person event. And then throughout the summer, we're looking at the possibility of both virtual and in-person kind of training that, mm-hmm. that players can do. Um, just trying to balance the logistics of owners actually attending and then players being able to attend as well. All right.
1: And I guess we uh, wrap up on this, like what does success look like for this? Um, and I think that people sort of see the NIL space in recruiting terms in a lot of sp- in a lot of spots, like, is this going to make Notre Dame more attractive to a, a four star, a five star quarterback from Detroit, so to speak, like what, yeah. what, how do you sort of see success just as the project, but also as a way for prospects to look at Notre Dame a little bit differently. Is that, is that beyond what you're trying to accomplish today?
2: Yeah. So I've actually Dante Moore and Carnell Tate have both, I've, I've chatted with them both kind of about the Players Club. They both followed the Twitter account. I think they just mm-hmm. kind of saw it on their feed and were interested in learning more. And I think from a recruits perspective, like a lot of their recruiting pitch that they're getting from coaches feels like NIL promises that may or may not come true.
1: Yeah. And
2: so, what's really exciting about the NFT space and the Irish Players Club is There's no faking. Everything that's done is going to be on the blockchain. You'll see the transaction log of how many were sold at what price points, the amount of money that's going to players. And so I think from a transparency standpoint and kind of a proof of support, that's what makes Irish players go really exciting because players and recruits, both current players and prospective players in the form of recruits can see what that support looked like. If Notre Dame sells out in 24 hours, that's something that they can kind of look at and be like, this is a fan base that's supporting their players. They're putting their money where their mouth is and they're helping us get paid because they're that big of fans. And so kind of that super fan pass that is this NFT, I think selling out, it, it speaks volumes to the players because any coach can say, we'll be able to hook you up with this huge deal when you get here. Um, and Obviously, some coaches are putting their superstars into the press and saying, look, our quarterback earned this much. But to have a project where every single player earns, you know, what, 4,000, 5,000, 6,000, 7,000, however much that ends up being is something that I think means a lot to people who are looking at the space and, you know, making that part of their calculus.
1: And so this, I'm assuming this is limited to people who are on the team opposed to people who are committed to be on the team, Yes, that is correct. Got it. Okay.
2: So and, early uh, is, enrollees should work. So yes. if you're on campus, you can uh, you can participate.
1: And uh, I mean, overall, like the players, they do they sort of get this project um, in a way that uh, you know maybe the average fan who is not familiar with NFTs, you f- you find like more of a uh, a quick reception and understanding from the players um, than maybe you would from the average fan.
2: I think. Yeah, I think there's still. A lot of confusion and it's a lot of headlines you see board eight yacht club and crypto punks they grab a lot of headlines and they're selling nfts for you know 10 million dollars and so people are all kind of a little bit perplexed by the space and trying to understand them and figure out why they're worth so much um and so there's been there's education for everyone i even our team that have helped create this project there's something new we learn every day and it wasn't three months ago that we knew very little about NFTs and have come a really long way. And so the more that we can educate, I think the more exposure you have to the NFT space, the more you understand how it can be such a big part of sports entertainment in the future.
1: And it's ultimately like whether you're an NFT like collector or not, if you're a Notre Dame fan, this is, this is a way to get money to a Notre Dame player.
2: Yeah, it's a way to support players and it's a way to really buy that access pass to say that I'm a super fan and we're trying to create a really affordable price point where fans can say, I was going to spend this money. You know, I would pay this much for an autograph. I would pay this much to meet this player. And now there's an easy way that you can come in and do that in an organized manner. And you know that the money is going to the players, not someone who met the person outside of the Goog and then sold it on eBay. You can make sure that it's really supporting the players, which I think is an important piece of the puzzle.
1: Definitely. All right. Well, Mick, hey, I appreciate uh, you hopping on here with us on the Shamrock to talk a little bit about the Irish Players Club. It's uh, yeah, it's a fascinating project, sort of the next step in NIL, which is I think there's probably a, many more uh, plot twists in the NIL story before we get to uh, get to an end where people sort of
2: have a best practices. Definitely. I appreciate you having me on.
1: That's former Notre Dame walk-on running back Mick Asaph, hopefully in a, with an explanation of what an NFT is in 30 minutes or less. Uh, and what the Irish Players Club may be for not only the Notre Dame football roster in terms of being able to monetize their name, image, and likeness, but what this whole venture may mean for the fan experience if you're Notre Dame. Um, access to players, um, whether it be autographs or camps or just sort of interacting with them in a virtual format. So... It would be interesting to sort of see where all this goes, um, you know, if this NFT space is something that other programs replicate, if sort of these collectives that you see at other programs pop up around Notre Dame, if they're even in existence a year from now. Um, and I think Mick used the term wild, wild west, and that's, I think, been pretty common in describing the NL space in year one, but that's essentially with the NCAA's lack of involvement or oversight, that's what this was always going to be, so curious to sort of see how different players get involved in this space but uh irish players cub is sort of the next iteration of that um in terms of being players being able to monetize their name image and likeness and um you know a bit of a two-way street there for fans to be able to interact more directly with the players themselves um in a way that kind of supports Dame football 2022 so until our next podcast, probably in the coming days, Matt Fortuna will be uh, back from Palm Springs. We'll talk Marcus Freeman's introductory of his new staff press conference, which comes later on Wednesday, February 16th. Uh, and then we have access to all the assistants, Al Golden, defensive coordinator included. So plenty to come both on The Athletic, in the Notre space, and here on the Shamrock. So until our next podcast, thanks for listening.